The word of the Lord from the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew in chapter 28, reading verses 16 to 20. Uh, so I invite your reverent and also joyful attention uh, to the public reading of God's word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now certainly one of the uh, major and unifying uh, beliefs of all of Scripture is of uh, the greatness of God. There's only one God. And uh, he is the greatest of all perfections. In fact, he is infinite perfection. There's no shadow, there's no defect, there's no want. Uh, there's no need. God needs nothing. He's infinite, total in his majesty. Because he is so great, he commissions people throughout the Bible to go tell that message to the world. That commission is to us, the church, found in the passages that have been read. In the Old Testament, uh, many failed in their commission, but God promises of one who will come and not fail, uh, the God-man, Christ. Because he's God, he could not fail. So he fulfills his commission, and now he passes the torch to us. And therefore, this is our commission based upon, verse 18, the identity of Christ. It's very important we understand who he is, because if you miss that, you will not prosecute his commission aright. Now, verse 18 our commission is based upon the identity of the Lord and then his imperatives, verses 19 to 20. Uh, this is not the great suggestion. This is the great commission. Church needs to understand that even though we are committed to the great doctrines of the grace of God, we have a duty to advance the message of the greatness of the perfections of our God. Those imperatives again found in verses 19 to 20. And then how can we do that? That's a, boy, that's, that's tough. That's a difficult commission. Well, we have his promise, latter part of verse 20. God resources us. So let's begin to look at the, the Great Commission. Uh, namely, commissioning is a constituent part of advancing the divine presence and the kingdom of God among men. Probably the first commission ever given to men, as you might well imagine, Genesis chapter 1. 
28th verse. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the creation. Fill the earth. Multiply and fill the earth. Commissioned Adam and Eve. They failed in that commission. Very interesting that the words fill and multiply are used as the success of the church in Colossians chapter 1. Namely, Christ comes and accomplishes that commission, passes it to the church, and they begin to fulfill it. In increasing and multiplying. Indirectly, that commission is, I think, part of the Great Commission. We're to fill the earth with the glory of God. Message of the greatness of God. Commissioning, of course, uh, think about it, is a divine prerogative. Uh, divine prerogative, Genesis chapter 1. God commissions his creation, Adam and Eve, because he's their God. And here God commissions us. How can he do that? Well, he's God. He was present in Genesis 1. Present in all of the commissioning. And now he's present to his disciples and of course, uh, to us as a church. This is explicit in the text and the fact that his disciples worship him. Worshiping the resurrected Christ, he conquered death. He was God. Only God can conquer death. And they worship him. Every other form of worship in all of the world is utterly false save it break upon Jesus Christ, the Father and the Spirit. That is our calling to worship God. In the text, it's the explicit reality that they saw him as God because worship breaks upon deity and Jesus is God. And therefore, he's commissioning us as the great creator of life in the church. Genesis 1, the physical creator. Now to us, a spiritual creation, to go, increase, and multiply, and fill the earth with the glory of God. The commission to grace, Bible, church. It's also explicit in the fact that his, uh, in his self-identification uh, as uh, the Son of Man. Now that, that phrase is not in our text, <clears throat> but again... If you look at uh, Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Uh, as you know, and forgive me for the constant rep uh, repetition, but that is an allusion, very important Old Testament allusion to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the people's nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So Christ is the exalted Son of Man. And God the Father gives to him all dominion. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. 
both the Masoretic text and the Greek translation read, uh, given to him. Jesus says to me, establishing himself as the fulfillment of Daniel's vision as the divine messianic king who is given perpetual and universal sovereignty over every atom, every blade of grass, every word, every act, every thought, every deed, and therefore his commission. That's no light thing to reckon with who Christ is. And his dominion, of course, is universal. He will accomplish perpetual and absolute and total rule over this entire creation upon which we live. And because of that, we have, by the way, an implicit resource in our commission uh, because he is sovereign. Uh, furthermore, very interesting, I, I, I trust you did not uh, like me, uh, repair back to Matthew, going back to Daniel chapter 7, in the interpretive portion of the vision, verses 16 to 28, again, we have vision and we have interpretation. Uh, it's a great reminder to us as uh, our legacy in the Protestant Reformation, the Scripture interprets Scripture. So we read the vision, and we're a bit unclear, and then we read the interpretation, and it becomes clear. In the interpretation, his disciples are being persecuted, and yet they're victorious, exactly as he was. I mean, and throughout our study of the Gospel of Matthew, he's being persecuted all along the way, and finally they crucify him. But he's victorious over everything in accomplishing and advancing the presence of the glory of God in his commission. And so guess what's going to happen to his sons who are commissioned? They're going to be persecuted. But they're going to be victorious. Exactly as he was. It's almost as if there's a one-to-one -one correspondence between the Son of Man and us. Look, for example, at Daniel chapter 7, 27th verse. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given. Will be given. It was given to the Son of Man, and now it's given to us. Will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. What was given to him is given to us. That we will expand the universal dominion of advancing the presence of the glories of the majesty of the one true living God is an extension of what was given to him. Yes, I, we're going to be persecuted. I don't have time to go through the rest of the interpretive portion, but it's really fulfilled by, begins to be fulfilled by Jesus in, in the gospel as he's persecuted. And if it happened to him, it's going to happen to his church. But they're going to win the victory because he's already won it for them. It's 
conquered death and everything else. And nothing will stop his kingdom. Nothing will get in its way. Everything will be crushed. By the way, if you're not a Christian, I come to you in compassion and humility. You're in a, you're in a difficult and sad way. You need to flee to the Savior while there's still time. It is, of course, the basis for our commissioning in light of who He is and what He's done. If you will, we are agents of the great King, the Son of Man. Uh, the Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of ambassadors. We're ambassadors of Christ, message of reconciliation. And God plants us all over the world to tell the world about His majesty and His greatness, to expand His presence. Ambassadors of Christ. You know, the uh, uh, government of the United States of America has, uh, has ambassadors uh, in very difficult places. Uh, sometimes they have to be very careful of their physical security. How would you like to be ambassador of the United States of America in Afghanistan? Tough. Pakistan, tough. But they go there, they're commissioned, they're appointed, and they serve the interest of the United States of America. Well, that's what we are. We live in a foreign world. The language of John Wayne, we live in Indian country but we're ambassadors of the king and the battle's been won. We can go with courage and fortitude to advance his divine presence. So part of our commissioning is inextricably bound to the identity of Christ. And again, if you miss that, uh, the commissioning will be difficult for you. I encourage you to ponder the use of the Old Testament and the New, and I ask you to ponder uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, to where we are today, who Christ is. So now we transition from who we are to what we are to be about. And that's captured in a couple of imperatives. Church. I mean, what are we to be about as the church of Jesus Christ? You know, attend church a dozen times a year, certainly Christmas, Easter. Uh, well, the church is to be about a lot of things, but this is our commission, constituent part related to the identity of Christ. And now that torch is passed to us from the great God of heaven. Verse 19, go, make disciples of all the nations. Technically, the word go is not in the Greek text an imperative, but it gathers the imperatival force from make disciples, which is an imperative. Where to go? Grace Bible Church, we go in lots of ways. We go on the streets where we live. We Wherever we go, we're to some manner form uh, be ambassadors for Christ. We support missions work uh, different continents. Uh, I'm sure there will be renewed continual opportunities. Uh, go. 
When I was in the Army, uh, we, we went to war with what was called operations orders. Uh, second paragraph of operation order was mission statement. What's our mission as a church? Let me condense it for you. Take the world. That's our mission. Take the world. And the church will. It'll take the world. Daniel 7, verse 27. And yes, in the process of taking the world, we'll be persecuted, we'll be maligned, we'll be mocked, we'll be hated, whatever the case might be. But make no mistake about it. We will, because of Christ, take the world. Make disciples. Very interesting to me that the noun apostle is cognate to the verb to send. That's what we are. We're not technically apostles as the office. At least that's my view at Grace Bible Church. Uh, but we go because he sends us. We are the sent ones. That's our commission. Uh, the, the sense of making disciples is, if you will, obedient followers. We could... Uh, look at thousand different nuances, but just simply obedient followers. And part of that is inherent here in this commission. Uh, by, by the way, we've seen this commission in a hint. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse, verse 16, because that's exactly what Christ is going to do with his disciples. Uh, and we have a commission to them uh, in a, a seed form. Here it's the full-blown tree. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out of sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. That is a commission to the disciples. But by the way, it's a very difficult commission, isn't it? Uh, I'm, I'm not a rancher. I, I never studied ranching in the university. But when I, when I read sheep going out in the midst of wolves, that's tough. That's tough business. Sheep don't mix well with wolves. That's our commission. It is in my mind indirectly a, a reminder that our Savior Christ has inaugurated the end time tribulation. And as you prosecute the commission, wolves are going to circle you and try to get at you. Uh, physically, they may be successful, but they will never be successful spiritually. All of the horrors and intensity and violence of the kingdom of darkness cannot get at the saints of God. We have been sealed forever by God's grace. Physically, Body they may kill, but soul they cannot touch. But it is a difficult commission to go out in the midst of wolves. Very interesting in uh, the commissioning of uh, Matthew chapter 10, in verse 5, it's very explicit. Do not go in the way of the Gentiles. Do not go to the Samaritans. Go to Israel first. But now it's inclusive of all the nations. Probably because uh, terminal judgment has now come upon the nation 
of Israel. In my mind, I know that's hotly debated in, in the church, and to me it's a secondary issue, but nonetheless, I think that's suggested there. But I'm not saying that Jews can't come to Christ. I'm just saying nationally, the issue is no longer Israel, it's now the church. And uh, uh, ethnic Jews uh, come into the church through Jesus Christ, just like Old Testament Jews came in uh, to the true people of God through understanding what the sacrifices meant, uh, understanding that God would send uh, one to be an eternal perfect sacrifice to save them from their sins. But now again, it goes from Israel to the nations. And that's the language of Daniel 7, by the way. The nations are now being... uh, reached by the commissioning of the church. And, and by the way, in the church, there's no longer male or female or slave or free or rich or poor. We're one in Christ. We go to the nations. One of my favorite verses in all of Matthew is Christ enters, metaphorical language, he enters the house of a strong man and plunders his house. That's Christ plundering the kingdom of darkness gathering the riches of his people, carrying them off as his peculiar treasure. That's what, that's what you and I are doing in the commission, advancing that presence, taking the world with the message of the gospel. Uh, of course, leaving to him the results, but nonetheless being faithful soldiers in, in, uh, in his commission. Now it's inclusive of all the nations so that the divine end-time presence of God inaugurated by Jesus is escalating the commission from Israel to the church to accomplish a universal presence without distinction. That's the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 18, 18. It's Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. All the world will serve and worship him. Every language. God plundering the nations for the glory of God. And the church participating in that as we advance the gospel. Uh, That he is sovereign means the church, again, will succeed based upon what? His success. That's why it's so important you understand the who before you get to the what we are to be about. Well, how do we carry that out? If you go back to the United States Army in Operations Order, paragraph 2, this is your mission, how how are we going to do that? Well, Jesus is going to tell us. Two participles... Uh, indicate the manner in which disciples are to be made, baptizing and teaching. Baptizing is a renunciation of past loyalties and an initiation into the visible church with an allegiance consistent with our new identity. By the way, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, a naturalization ceremony where someone from some deep corner of the world comes to America and becomes a citizen. It's done before a judge, a federal judge. They renounce past allegiances and loyalty. That's what you and I do in our baptism. We're renouncing our allegiance to the kingdom of darkness and announcing an allegiance to the great and only king, the kingdom of light, the king of light, the Lord Christ. Consistent with our new identity is cleansed and forgiven. Baptism is a sign. It's a visible sign. In Grace Bible Church, it's one of the two sacraments that we practice. It's a visible sign of what? 
that God has washed us from, from what? Some of our sins? No. That means none of us are saved. We're still lost. Let me cut to the chase. All of our sins. Past, present, and future. It is a visible sign signifying that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are sprinkled clean now and forever. Very tragic to me that most of the church today does not believe that. I do. And it's part of our commissioning, understanding really what baptism is. But it is a great message to me of the majesty of Jesus Christ. When he goes to cleanse, he gets the job done. That's the beauty of the shedding of his blood for the remission of sin. And baptism signifies that. That's why it's so beautiful to see a baptism in the church. It's what it means. And not just for the person that we are watching, but for our hearts. Be reminded continually and perpetually. All of the world in which we live in struggles with guilt. I'm so thankful to know the Savior. I'm not guilty before God, and he's the only king that matters. Baptism and allegiance, new allegiance signifying that we're cleansed. We separate from the world and align ourselves with the covenant community. And that alignment is expressed in the divine names, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Theologically, this may not be a formula, but if I present it as a formula, it's Trinitarian with the implicit reality of the unity of the essence of each. They are one. Teaching, of course, is the continual reinforcement of our engagement to be the Lord's. The church ought to be filled with teaching to remind, to instruct, uh, to correct, to warn, to encourage. It's not just for cognition. It's the ethical observance, the commandments of Christ. Jesus says, teaching them all that I've commanded you. Literally, in the Greek text, it's teaching them to keep. And the object, of course, is all that I've commanded you. By the way, this too is a constituent part of Old Testament commissioning. It's true of uh, Moses. Uh, let's just look at one uh, because of time. Uh, Prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as you know, has a very tough commissioning. Uh, in fact, he complains, just like you and me. We complain, don't we? Oh, it's too hard. It is hard. I but when you come back and you realize that God's commissioning doesn't change and you understand who he is, then you prosecute the call as God gives you grace. Jeremiah chapter 1, the seventh verse. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go and all that I command you, you shall speak. Jeremiah is to take every one of the commandments of God and speak it to the nation. Very difficult commissioning. What I'm trying to say here is that was the commissioning in the Old Testament because God was speaking 
what's happening now. That's commissioning in the New Testament because Jesus, as God, is speaking, teaching them all that I've commanded you. Grace Bible Church, we don't do cafeterias. We're to teach everything that he commanded us. Acts, it's a great expression of the Apostle Paul and the fulfillment of his commissioning by Christ in Acts chapter 20 and verse 27. And I bring it as a reminder to you of our own particular ministry at Grace Bible Church. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. Another one of my favorite verses, the second to last book of the New Testament. Jude verse 3, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So that our commissioning today is not societal. We have this idea in America, well, uh, uh, this is what uh, the framers taught, but society should interpret it this way. I leave that argument to your civics classes, but it is not the case in the Scriptures. We cannot change the Word of God. We cannot make it fit our society and our culture. We are to be bent to the Word of God. We are not to bend the Word of God to our lives. It's the reverse. And I think we have gone a long way down the wrong road. This is a divine commission. Jesus has issued it. We're to take the world for the gospel. Promise of forgiveness forever. And teach the whole counsel of God and the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. My promise to you I trust in the grace of God and you can pray for me. This would be so. I will never bring you anything new. Because if it's new, it's probably wrong. We're not talking fashion here. We're not talking sociology. We're talking the gospel. There's nothing new. Therefore, there's nothing that I can change. And all of these vagaries that have come into the church that are most popular, uh, we can't change the gospel in its effect. It changes men and women radically. Over time, I understand. Nonetheless, no change, nothing new. Today, of course, the end time tribulation in part means that false teaching has come into the covenant community. That's the point of Jude 3. And therefore, as a true church, we are desperate for the discernment that we have from the Spirit of God to discern what is false and to reject it. As witnesses, we are to forsake the false for what is true. Now, I don't understand all these churches. Well, we, uh, we're going to uh, uh, accept alternative lifestyles. And, well, I mean, I understand the gospel. I, I had an alternative lifestyle. It's called I was a sinner and God saved me. So I can relate to alternative lifestyles, but I don't define 
I don't define the outcome of that. God does. He doesn't say, well, Phil, you just, whatever you feel, impute to the text. Well, what are people doing in those churches? We are as the commissioned of the Lord to forsake what is true. I understand that takes courage, but that's the essence of the commissioning and understanding the end time tribulation. No change, nothing new. Be courageous. Take the world based on who Christ is. Great application of this text in Paul's commissioning of his uh, legacy. Uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. I'd like you to pay particular attention to the fact that the Christian faith is generational. Generational. Uh, we, we, we reach our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We're a generational church to advance the gospel to take the world. And the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men will be able to teach others also. It's part of our commission. Generational teaching. By the way, if you are a parent and you have young children, bring them into the church, the Sunday school. Get them taught. In our culture, you have to reach them early and you have to reach them often. And that's part of our generational summons to take the world. Sunday school. Children. Luke's parallel commission Luke chapter 24 uh, expresses something of the content of the message we teach or take to the world. Uh, Luke 24, verses 47 to 48. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in His name to all generations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. That's what we preach to the world. There's hope in Christ. And there is hope in no one else. Every other venue, avenue, highway, road, path to hope is an utter dead end except Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, who we are and what we're about, thankfully it doesn't end there because we'd be in a bad way if it did. God's going to resource us. It's a great promise here. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's why we can prosecute the commission. You know, being a sheep in the midst of wolves is tough business, but when Christ is with you, yeah, you're okay. You're going to be safe. The body they may kill, but they will never get your soul. It belongs to Him. Uh, your safety is locked away in the lockbox of heaven. Let's look at the resourcing. Uh, because the duty in the commission uh, accompanied by a promise. For this Herculean task, the divine presence. Lord, I'm with you always. Uh, the phrase, I'm with you always, uh, very interesting. It's found in all over the commissioning statements of the Old Testament. Uh, I, I just simply want to remind you because of time of some of them. Uh, as you know, Moses kind of had some excuses. Oh, God, I can't go to Pharaoh. I mean, go pick the B team. I mean, I, no, God, not me. I, I'm sorry. 
What does God say to him? I'm with you. He commissions him to go to Pharaoh. And what does he tell him? He says, I'm with you. Guess what? Moses is successful. Uh, Joshua uh, in into the land. It's difficult. Take the land? It's ragtag. Bunch of people just come out of Egypt wandering around the wilderness for decades and they're going to take the land? How could I do that, God? I mean, I'm a professional soldier, but but the rest of these? No, I'm with you. That's difficult duty. Be a sheep in the midst of wolves. But when you understand the resourcing, uh, the building of the temple by Solomon, God says, I'm with you. Uh, one of my favorite is uh, Haggai, post-Babylonian, uh, post-exile. Go rebuild the temple. That's tough. Surrounded by enemies? Uh, no great resources like Solomon had. What does God say? I'm with you. When the work begins to falter, as it always does, and the people were discouraged, some of them had seen the temple of Solomon and they were depressed. Why wouldn't they be? God said, finish the temple, I'm with you. I know when sharing the gospel, it's difficult. God's with us. God resources us in all of our duties. In other words, both promise and fulfillment are irrevocably linked to the identity of Jesus. The divine presence has come. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. He is called Emmanuel. God is with us. And now we have the perpetual promise of his presence. I am with you always. Jesus pledges his presence. The church will not fail and has the assurance of such as we recognize that he has all authority, that he is sovereign, and he sends us to all the nations with a mandate of his words. Very a beautiful expression, the Gospel of John, 20th chapter, of divine resourcing, uh, the Johannine view of the Great Commission is in uh, John uh, chapter 20, in verses 21 and 22. Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. That's the commission. What's the resource? Verse 22, When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, the word uh, breathing there, he breathed on them and breathes upon them the Holy Spirit, is an allusion to uh, Genesis chapter 1 and that God breathed upon Adam to make him alive. God breathed physical life into Adam and Jesus is breathing spiritual life for enablement and empowerment to his disciples. Gift of the Holy Spirit. It's also an allusion to Ezekiel chapter 37. The vision of the dry bones. How do dry bones live? God breathes upon them and gives them life. Meaning for me that the greater fulfillment is here with the apostolic companies, the beginning of the new Israel that will prosecute the call of God and advance the divine presence to take the world for Christ. Spirit, Son, and Father. John also speaks to content, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. 
the apostolic preaching of the gospel. Uh, if you came to the gospel, you, your sins were forgiven. If you rejected the gospel, you're representing the decrees of heaven to be reprobated and your sins are retained before heaven. The gospel is so important. So important. Uh, we do that, I think, at Grace Bible Church by application, simply the preaching of the gospel. Now, I don't literally retain or forgive sin, but the gospel represents that which we preach, that there's only forgiveness in Christ. And when he forgives, he forgives everything. It's a great inducement to come if you're not a Christian. That's also an implicit reality that he needs to breathe upon you to give you life to come. As true witnesses at Grace Bible Church, it's our desire to proclaim the gospel, take the world. A foothold in India, we have a foothold in uh, the Congo. Foothold in Uganda, I trust. Passage of time, we'll have lots of footholds. Remember the greatest invasion force of all time, Normandy invasion. The once the Allied forces gained a foothold on the beaches of Normandy, the war was over. Yeah, there were a lot of battles to be fought, I understand. But the war was over once the lodgment was made secure. You and I are establishing lodgments all over the world. And the church will win. And the world will be taken for Christ. Our Lord's success and His commission is the basis of our commission and the act and the content. The outcome is the extension of the divine presence locally in our Lord to His universal presence among the nations. This is who we are. We're commissioned by God. And this is what we are to be about as His witnesses. The sure outcome is expanding His presence until the earth is full of His glory and praise. And it will be so. And it's our desire at Grace Bible Church to so participate that the earth will be full of His praise. Come join us by God's grace.